Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to well, this meeting is being recorded. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to episode two of the first season of the Rust Belt Report. If you are not here before, uh, I'm going to give you a little lowdown on how this goes. So I'm going to have a different guest every week. We're going to be talking strictly NFL, although that always fails in any any shows that I do, any conversations that I have. We always end up going off topic. But I'm going to have a different host every week. If you didn't catch last week's episode, my friend Nino, who was uh, top 10 in New York State for track and field in high school, uh, was on and we talked all things NFL. And so I have a special guest this week. Uh, we've been trying to put something like this together for a long, long time. I was recently on his show, The Code of Conduct, which is part of the Buffalo Rumblings Network. Uh, he's formerly of Buffalo Fanatics. And he recently just got a blue check mark, which apparently comes with a lot of responsibility. So I'm going to introduce Jay Spence, the king. Jay Spence, how's it going, man? What's up, man? I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, and speaking of, yeah, you were on the code of conduct, but it was like a weird week. I got to get you on when like we can like really go at it and talk football because I feel like that week just wasn't a good week. No, there was not. And I mean, it was like right before the Aaron Rodgers thing. It was like right before everything yeah. big happened in the offseason, which is weird because with the offseason usually comes nothing. So, you know, especially with COVID now, it's like everything's been so weird and out of whack and people are just going after the littlest stories, making them into the biggest thing. So uh, I'm sure that this won't be the last time that we'll be talking in a domain like this. Um, but no, thank you so much uh, for coming on, especially for uh, episode two. So we're not that deep into this series yet, but um, we are with the LDG Sports Network. So this isn't the only show that we have. You can check us out on anchor.fm backslash LDGS. We'll be bringing you more shows soon, but we're just going to hop right into it because we have a lot to talk about. Um I usually give the guest the uh, at least the first option for what they want to talk about first. So I sent you what the conversations were beforehand. Uh, I don't know if you have them right there in front of you, but if you want, go ahead and pick one. We'll just we'll, we can hop right into it. Well, the thing is, honestly, I was I was excited to talk about the very first one um, about the dome versus no dome. But I kind of wanted to take it a step further. I mean, we can talk about the dome versus no okay. dome, but I know the conversation is coming up in Buffalo because obviously the Bakulas have just announced that they're going to be looking at, um, you know, whatever the conversation is about a new stadium possibly or whatever. The thing is, I don't think, I really don't think Western New York knows what they're asking for when they're asking for a brand new stadium, especially to be downtown. Mm -hmm. The dome Let's, let's start with your question. Let's start there. And then, but yeah, I think for Josh Allen and, and the team, I don't, I don't think it matters. Uh, the thing that Western New Yorkers have always said, the weather, uh, you come to Western New York in the playoffs and it's to our advantage. I think that's crazy. So I think a dome for everybody's sake would be good. His stats would go up. Josh's stats would go up. The defense would play better. Uh, but, you know, there is something to be said to the fact that Josh Allen can play through anything. So at this point, it is, it is a slight advantage in Western New York in the playoffs if guys are coming. Uh, we saw that with the Colts because the Colts is a dome team. They live mm -hmm. in a cold city, but they're a dome team. And they came and played us in Buffalo, and it didn't work out in their favor. Um, the Ravens, not as much. They're an outdoor team as well. I just think Lamar injury and then as well, he just wasn't on the same level as Josh last year. Right. But, but yeah, I'm going to go dome. I'm going to go dome. 
Okay. Yeah. So for you guys uh, that are listening, um, myself and Jay Spence, both big Buffalo Bills fans, uh, the conversation of, of dome versus no dome has recently come up again for probably what the 175,000th time um, in the last couple of years. Um, the current Bills stadium, which is now called Highmark Stadium, was built in 1973. And so conversations have come up again with the lease, current lease nearing its end. Do we just do some remodeling in Orchard Park, where the stadium currently is, just south of the city of Buffalo, or do we go for a downtown Buffalo on the lakefront, something like Cleveland, but make it a dome? And so I think that you bring up a really good point of it's probably not going to matter for the team. I know there's always a lot of conversations between, oh, well, like this team's built to be outside in the weather, um, which I know has been used a lot for Buffalo, especially because that was a lot of the conversation around drafting Josh Allen played in Wyoming. He can play in the cold. Um, I mean, it was even put into the the draft day movie with Bo Callahan. He, you know, he's an outside quarterback. He's an outside guy. So he'd be good for Cleveland. Um, any anytime I can get to throw in a little bit of a, you know, greatest yeah, football movie of all time. Rapid, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, there's, there's that conversation, but like you said, Indianapolis, a dome team plays in a cold city, but came to Buffalo. And I mean, it was a close game for that playoff game. It was, it was really close, but obviously didn't work out in Indianapolis's favor came down to special teams. Um, it really comes down to, is there a difference between teams that are warm weather versus cold weather or dome versus no dome. And I think we've seen time over time in the NFL that it doesn't actually matter, right? Every week in the NFL, either team has a chance to win. Um, You know, I don't think that, you know, the Patriots or Buffalo uh, would have an issue with going down to Miami or Tampa Bay in December to play, you know, an end of the season game or a playoff game or Jacksonville, another team down there. Uh, but I don't think a lot of teams want to come up north during that time of year and play. Right. They probably, for a, from a comfortability standpoint, they'd probably rather a dome. Um, but, I mean, we've seen over the years, as being Bills fans, that Colts-Bills game, the snowball game, where, I mean, a complete whiteout didn't help either. It was a fantastic game. I mean, yeah, the Kelvin yeah. Benjamin catch. Oh, were you really? Yeah, That's I was awesome. there and it was it was fun but it wasn't at the same time. Like it was it was probably I think that was the second most snow that I've experienced at a Bills game. The the, the most snow that I've experienced was actually I which sounds bad. I went to all the worst games. I was actually at the Cleveland game as well in Cleveland with when it was like it was ridiculous. I think it was like 6 to 3 or something. It was it was a horrible game. I didn't stay the whole time. You know, right. but um, the, but the one in Orchard Park when Shady got the, the walk-off touchdown or the runoff touchdown, if you want yeah. to say it that way, um, it was absolutely a fun time. But, but you're right. It doesn't matter. Neither team was able to really move the ball through the air. Neither team could – even the run game suffered. You know, Shady didn't have the greatest game um, on, their, on their offensive side. They didn't have the greatest game. And I just feel like, you know, if you're going to go dome, great, go dome. If you're not, it's football, man. It's football. So, so – the the real argument that I have when I saw this question, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I need to talk about this. Because Bills fans, there's there's a, a good portion of Bills Mafia who feels that, you know, the team should be in Buffalo and not Orchard Park, and it should be downtown instead of Orchard Park. Cool. I understand what it, the, the positive effects it could have on the economy of the city. I understand 
um, just the optics of having your team downtown. I understand everything, all the positives that it can do. Trust me. I am. So I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm saying, I am not saying I'm against moving downtown. Right. But what I'm saying is I recall, I told you I lived in Indianapolis for about five, six years. I recall the prices of tickets prior to the home that Peyton built. So now Indianapolis is playing in um, a state of the art facility. It's, it's Lucas Oil Stadium is one of the best stadiums you're going to see in the league. I think oh, yeah. I would maybe say there's maybe two, maybe two or three that are better. And, th and that's like, it's pushing it. Right. It's a phenomenal stadium to play in. You go there, it doesn't even feel like you're going to a game. You know, it looks like you're going to, you know, it, it just, it just feels like you're going to this amazing event. There's always like live concerts and stuff in the four, like during the game, you have live performances out there. It's, it's crazy. Right. The tickets, the cheapest to get inside the stadium, you're looking at like 250 bucks. So right now, where as a Bills fan last season, before COVID, I should say, last season, you can get a great for 250 bucks, man, I'm probably sitting 50 yard line. You know what I mean? Like I can right. probably pick where I want to sit prior to this season because now the bills are good. And I don't know if anybody has hopped on those, uh, those reseller sites. It's through the roof. It's yeah. going to be even more if we have to factor in paying for the stadium. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it turns from it being about the, the tailgaters and it turns from being about the fans and it goes to the corporate sponsorships. It goes to those box seats. And those are the important things. So the cost of everything else goes up dramatically because those guys are looking to bring in those corporate dollars. Right. And I mean, we've seen a rash of brand new NFL stadiums over the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Obviously, Oakland moving to Las Vegas, they get the new, what is it, Allegiant Stadium. So they get the new stadium yeah. out there. Um, the Rams and Chargers both moving into LA, they both get this massive new stadium. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that Miami got a new stadium. Atlanta right, gets a new state. Yeah. Like all these teams are getting a new stadium and don't get me wrong. I would also love to say, Hey, the Buffalo bills are downtown, but there's, I, I don't envision an area in the city, anywhere near the city that, like you said, obviously tailgating a, a massive part of the Buffalo bills culture, at least for the fan culture, um, is taken into consideration, but also from an infrastructure standpoint. Yeah, I mean, we've all been, you know, having been to home Bills games, you have these massive streets that are like three, four lanes across, and you're still having bumper to bumper traffic. You're not, especially if you knock down like the Perry Street projects, like they're talking about. Downtown? You're getting, you're getting God. like, you're getting one lane, right? You're getting one lane to get people in and out, and it's horrible. Well, think about it. You're talking about the Perry Projects, which, which is the leading site. So that's right. probably where it's going to be. So yeah. when we're talking about that, you have the casino right down there, and then you have mm -hmm. the Sabres playing. When the Sabres play, if you're downtown, I'm, a just, it, I'm not a Sabres fan like, like everybody else. Like, I'm not a hockey guy. I'll say it that way. I don't dislike the Sabres. I'm just, I've never gotten into hockey. Right. But I do know from working with M&T Bank when I was in Buffalo, downtown – when the Sabres are playing, you're trying to get out of downtown as quick as possible on a Sabres night because the traffic and, and getting away from the state or from the arena downtown at any point is horrible. So oh, you're yeah. talking about adding, and that's what, 17,000 people, 20,000 people? Just about, yeah. So you're talking about, a, what, 80,000 people for the Buffalo, like on top of that, like you're adding so right. many more people. 
it's it's just not going to be fun going downtown. Orchard Park is the perfect location for Western New York. Oh, I totally agree. Um, but then to add into the, I'm trying to see if I can get the uh, the how many people are allowed in there. You can have capacity for ice hockey is nineteen thousand and seventy people. So that's 19,000 people. I mean, obviously, on a, at least in the beginning of a season or towards an end of a season or, or towards, you know, um, during a good season. Uh, obviously, not a factor with COVID. But, yeah, no, I mean, even really any event that comes out of downtown, right? Any event that's – I mean, you get um, – even the, I mean, even the Bisons. Bisons and, uh, I mean, uh, even Bandits games. There are some traffic woes. Putting – like you said, an expanded stadium downtown is going to be massively hard to manage. But something that you had brought up that I was going to bring up with Indianapolis was the NFL is also about providing an entertainment experience. It's not just about the game. And mm-hmm. so when you see, when, if Buffalo puts really any any city that puts a new stadium in, it's all about the fan experience. What was it? Um, Atlanta. In their new stadium, wasn't that didn't don't they have pools in there and people can go into the pool or it was one of those. Is it Atlanta? I f- I, it's either Atlanta or Miami. Jackson- I thought it was Jacksonville. It might be Jacksonville. It might be. So, I feel like it was a Florida team. Yeah. So they put like pools in there um, now and tables with, and all that stuff like yeah, uh, like, and, bar, and now, like club tables. <laughs> yeah. La- uh, Las Vegas just announced that they have a, they literally have a, an end zone club. That they, that they put down into the end. So, wow, I mean, man. but with a new stadium comes this NFL fan experience. And so, like you said, it's going to boost those ticket prices so much higher, especially for a team that's good right now at, at you know, either at the peak or, or heading towards its peak with such a young team with such a bright future ahead. Those tickets are going to be astronomical because you're not just paying to watch Josh Allen throw that ball downfield or to watch oh. Stefan Diggs catch that ball or to watch Devin Singletary run that ball you're paying for, I'm not saying that they're going to have pools, but you're paying for the pools and you're paying for the club and you're paying for all of the, and then like you said, those renovations that come with it because Buffalo is a really harsh weather place when it gets super cold in the winter and super hot in the summer, it takes a toll on those buildings. I mean, they're renovating Highmark stadium and key bank, uh, not, not key bank first Niagara. Is it now? Um, I, I just got done calling it HSBC. They change uh, them so much, man. It's like yeah. when I get used to something, it's, it's like right. I, just, I just got to the point where I was comfortable with New Era. I just yeah. got comfortable with New Era. Yeah. But, you know, you, I mean, they're doing renovations every season because you're starting off the season with so much, with so much hot weather going into cold. But, um, I mean, even, too, at the end of, at the, end of uh, the football season, you're playing hockey. So then you have the Bills and the Sabres sometimes playing on the same nights. And yeah. I mean, that's just, it's, it's going to be astronomical out of this world, but I would agree. I, I think that, um, I think that the NFL is really pushing for these more enclosed dome stadiums, places where they can provide entertainment. I mean, with a dome stadium comes the potential for Buffalo to even host a Super Bowl. It, it becomes more likely, I think. Um, but it's just like, it opens up more avenues for us, but there's again, like the topic of conversation there's pros and there's cons it's just what are what are we willing to endure in order to have what those pros are 
Well, see, the thing is, well, currently, as it stands, I know if we were to build a new stadium downtown, then obviously there would be other things being built. They were, but as it stands right now, if you were to just pick up the stadium and put it downtown, there's no way we're getting a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, the thing is, there's not enough hotels. There aren't enough um, tourists. Attra- I know Niagara Falls is a huge thing, and it's always been, a, you know, it's the wonder of the world. So it's a huge thing. But as far as a Super Bowl, we, you know, it's a two-week process. That um, that, or a two-week event. Buffalo currently isn't the type of city, and that's no hate for me. I love my hometown. I, I'm just, I've been to Super Bowls, and I've been to cities who host Super Bowls, and I'm going to just tell you, it's a completely different thing, but, but back to the actual stadium conversation, I just challenge Bills fans or, or fans around the country, go to cities where teams have added new stadiums, and, and compare the pricing, compare the fan experience. It's like, like, you know, Ryan's talking about, like, you're talking about you know, these concerts and pools and club seats and all these things. But on top of it, like I said, you're the experience in Buffalo and Western New York, the tailgating experience is like by far the main attraction after the actual team. So when people come from miles around, we come from all over the country to go to the Bills games and people want to experience tailgating with Bills Mafia. So after seeing Josh play, then it's tailgating. There's nothing else. Other cities you go to, like for instance, a lot of Bills fans this Thanksgiving are going to go to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. I think more people are excited about going to New Orleans than they are about actually seeing whoever's on the Saints roster. Like, nobody right. cares about who's going to play. We want to see our Bills win, and we're ready to party. Like, Bourbon Street is about to be like, – like, people don't even understand what's about to happen in New Orleans. That's the type of city that Super Bowls go to. New York City, Phoenix, L.A., it's it, Buffalo just isn't it yet, but we're getting there. We're getting there. I, I give us a five to yeah. 10 year thing that, that what it looks like downtown is, is changing into. I, I give us, I give us a shot. Yeah. I know that a lot of people have talked about, um, you know, rumors that with a new bill stadium, potentially downtown comes uh, a new convention center, which, you know, both of us being from Buffalo, we know that that conversation has been happening forever. Uh, and potentially along with it comes this huge super sports complex with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a new arena for the Sabres and, and, and so much more. So, man, I mean, I'm still down. Are you still down with the Dome then? Is that still your answer? Like you think that if we go with a new stadium that that's the way to go? Yeah, if we go with a new stadium, the Dome is absolutely the way to go. Like, I, I just don't see the point. Like, if you're going to spend all that money to do it, just do it. You know, right. it's, there's no point in, in half-stepping. <laughs> it's the way I yeah. see it. So, I, I would agree uh, with the Dome. I just don't know – how I, I just don't I just don't know where downtown you can actually make a dome happen because there's not room I know the other the other location was again uh, like Furman Boulevard on the waterfront like on the outer harbor that's mm-hmm. still a two lane road in and out so it's just it with with that conversation has to come well what about infrastructure and I just don't think that Buffalo like you said is currently built to have that level of infrastructure pollution to like it, it doesn't have the infrastructure to support what we're asking it to support yep, yep. No, I'm, so. with you. I'm with you man and it, it's unfortunate because i do think downtown a stadium downtown would absolutely help the city thrive so yeah. in that regard absolutely i would love to see it because i want to see my city win you right. know, not just with sports. I want to see my city do well. And, and, and it's hurt. For instance, you know, I moved. And so now I'm Phoenix, man. I love Phoenix. I love my experience out here. I've been back to Buffalo, I think, four times since I've moved. 
And every single time I've come back, things are gone, like yep. it, without exaggeration. So I grew up on the east side. Uh, on Bailey and Kennington, there was this in my entire life, there was this like huge store and it was like a um, like a bank and something else in there. I, last time I came back in January for the playoff game, it was gone, completely gone. Wow. So like there's just a wide open space on the corner of Bailey and Kennington. And I say that to say every time I go back, something like that happens. Right. So where it's not something being renovated, not something being updated, not new builds actually things being gone and things being leveled. There's so many houses on the east side that, that aren't, you know, or not just the east side, downtown. It, it just doesn't look the way you would imagine downtown should look. A stadium right. would absolutely help the economy. So, so on that side of it, I'm all for it. As a football fan, man, we have some of the most affordable tickets in the, in the league. Mm-hmm. We have one of the best fan experiences in the league. I, I just don't want to tamper with it. Right. I think to, I think to close that out, at least from my end, like you said, it's I don't think that as Bills fans, we care about the pools and the concerts like it's about driving down, you know, southwestern or down California and seeing people out there in RVs on a Thursday in yeah. uh, December, knowing that they're going to be there till Sunday. And then to know that they're going to go, you know, party for those three, four days, then go into the game, stay there for, you know, till Tuesday, you know, they took a week off of work essentially in order to come out here. And I think that's what we care about as Bills fans. I mean, I don't care if there's a pool in the stadium. I don't care if there's, if it's downtown or an orchard park. I mean, like, again, would it be cool to have it downtown? Yeah. But I mean, orchard park seems to be the, uh, you know, seems to be kind of the place that we've all fallen in love with. But that's also at the same time, it's like asking a Packers fan, like, do you want to move Lambeau Stadium? Do you want to put a dome over it and move it? It's like, no, that's Lambeau Stadium. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or Heinz Field for the Steelers. It's like, do you want to put a dome over this and move it? Probably not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's it for me. I would, I would agree probably go dome all the way if we're going to go with a new one. Because like you said, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it. Last thing about the because you, you compared it to Lambeau, which is a great comparison when you're when you're talking about um existing stadiums uh, that constantly get renovated the the, the thing of the, the huge difference to me with lambeau field and and um high mark see i'm trying to get used to it uh the major difference is the history of lambeau is to me entirely different than the history of ralph wilson stadium uh rich stadium or whatever you want right. to call it back in the day um, Lambeau Field has a, has a completely different history that you're like, hey, no, we can't move this. Right. We can we can move the Bill Stadium. That that's not the yeah. issue. The issue is just that I don't I don't think, uh, and we can move on now. But all the other stuff that you and I just talked about, that's a, that's like a completely different conversation than than what they're having in Green Bay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think it comes down to the NFL is going to push for these more modern more sleek, more uh, enclosed venues that they can get some money out of the entertainment aspect from. Absolutely. And so and that's, that's what the conversation is going to come down to uh, for the bills here in the next couple of years. It's what it's going to come down to for the Steelers when, you know, they, when Heinz, Heinz uh, field starts to take some hits eventually. Um, I don't know what the, the Browns call their stadium. So first energy stadium, I think it is. So, I mean, just all these conversations, all these stadiums are eventually going to become enclosed. But uh, speaking of check marks here, we have some big news about uh, 
or a, a check mark in the NFL world. And uh, I know that you and Joe Miller, who uh, both did the Hump Day Hotline recently again um, for Buffalo Rumblings, you had a conversation about Julio. And so I saw the conversation. Uh, I participated in it. Participated yeah. in it in the comments. So I want to thank you guys for that. Um, but Julio seems to be the ta- uh, you know the talk of the town in the NFL right now, um, especially after his comments on Undisputed, which he may or may not have known that he was live. I think that's yeah. that's the thing right now. He didn't know that he was live. Um, but the Falcons apparently want a first rounder and rumor has it, they have somebody that's offering up a future first rounder. Um, the question really comes down to is Julio still worth one, but also where do we think he goes? So whether that's your opinion of like where you think he's actually going to go or your preference for where you think that he should go. Uh, what do you think? I wanted to get your, your kind of take on this. Okay. Well, I mean, at first, the first part of the question is, you know, is he worth a first rounder? The short answer to that is yes. Now, will he get a first rounder? I know the rumor is that they've been offered a first rounder. I don't believe that. He's worth it. His The production last season was the only season where you, you see like a sub 1,000 yard production. Um, and, and that was due to his injury. But the thing was, like, and I mentioned on the show with Joe, had he been health or not healthy, had they been in contention for playoffs, he would have still played. They shut him down early just because of that. And they said, you know what, go and get 100% healthy. We're not competing for anything. So that, so really the nine games probably would have been closer to 13 or 14 had they been in contention. Now, the second part of that question, where does he go? Um, I, I, honestly, I think he goes to Indianapolis. I know that's not a name that's been thrown out there a ton. He wants to go to a team that has a chance to win. He wants to go to a team with a quarterback. He wants to go to a team that already has weapons established and that has a high-powered offense. They just traded for Carson Wentz. Um, They have weapons. They have that amazing running back in Jonathan Taylor. They have, you know, they have some receivers out there too. They have some weapons. The defense is on the come up. The offensive line is on the come up. They have the cap space and they have the, the, they have everything that you need to make this thing happen. The Buffalo Bills, obviously, as a fan, I would want him to come to Buffalo. I don't see it as a realistic thing to happen, only because, um, A, we did just sign, you know, in free agency, we, we signed Emmanuel Sanders to a six-year, or, I mean, a six-million one-year guaranteed deal. It's fully guaranteed. We're not cutting Emmanuel Sanders at this point. Right. Um, Gabriel Davis, we're not cutting Gabriel Davis. We're not getting rid of – so – there's a couple guys, Isaiah McKenzie. Are we going to keep him? Who knows? You know, I think he fits with the roster with what the team wants to do. I would love to keep us. Everybody knows I'm an Isaiah McKenzie. Like that's my right. guy. But, um, but the thing is, if you're talking about Julio, Isaiah is probably the, the, the odd man out because right. the production that he gives on offense, yeah, he has the touchdowns, but he doesn't have the consistent production that shows that he's a threat every time he's on the field. So, uh, you know, is he worth the first rounder? Yes. Where is he going? I'm going to say Indianapolis. I don't have any insiders saying that. I haven't seen their name out there. But every team that I look at, this team is the one that makes the most sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even consider Indianapolis because, like you said, I mean, they do. They did bring back T.Y. Hilton, who was almost gone to Baltimore, by the way, in the mm-hmm. offseason, um, which would have been a, a scary thing, thing to think about. But you have T.Y. Hilton. You have Michael Pittman. Um 
uh, they have another wide receiver. I can't remember what his name is. Um, but I mean, they have, they have the offensive talent. Like you said, they have the defensive talent. I, for one, am a big special teams guy. They have the special teams. We all know if you watched the, the AFC playoff game yeah. with them in Buffalo, it came down to special teams. Right. And I, I think Buffalo and Indianapolis, I've said it before. I'll say it again, have the, probably the two best special teams uh, rosters out there in the NFL. Um, even with losing Corey Bohorquez personally, I mean, why? So, I mean, we all know the news that he's been, uh, you know, like Jalen Ramsey has been trying to get him to come out to LA. Yeah. Uh, there've been a, a couple other guys that have talked about potentially restructuring contracts to get him out there. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I think he's certainly still, that's like having the conversation about Larry Fitzgerald. Is Larry Fitzgerald worth the first round? Yeah, he probably still is because it's Larry Fitzgerald. Um, nah, that's a different talk. No? That's a different talk. See, to me, Julio, Julio is literally a top five receiver all time. Okay. All time. And he's still right now in the league. If he's healthy, he's the best receiver in the league. Not okay. even like by far. And I'm including Diggs. I'm including Hopkins. I'm including Adams. Like any guy that you want to say out there that, that you consider as a top guy, our guy out in LA um, with the Chargers. Uh, I can't think of his name now because I want to. But uh, when Julio's healthy, Julio's the best receiver in the league by far, bar right. none. Larry, at this point, you know, Larry's a good third, fourth option on your team. He's a great leader. His hands are as, as, you know, as sure as can be, but I would never ever offer a third round for Larry at this point, but, okay. but, but Julio, my man, Julio is different. And that, and I know some people took offense to my, they took offense to my tweet the other day. I really wasn't like taking a shot at anybody in particular. And I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I was saying it's apparent that people really only watch the bills games because yeah. if you, if, if you watch, the talent that Julio Jones has, I guarantee you a lot of those comments that we saw, he'll ruin the chemistry. Uh, he's washed. Look at his stats last year. He only had 900. Um, first of all, give me 900 yards in nine games or 700 yards in nine games. Give me that. Right. In nine games. And now we add a game. You got 17 games for Julio Jones and Stefan Diggs. Right. And you look at an offense like that, what it would do to the Buffalo Bills to add a, a Stefan Diggs, Julio Jones, Cole Beasley, whatever. I don't care who you could put me back there at running back. It doesn't matter. I'm getting 10 touchdowns this season if I'm that's, back there with those receivers. That's Madden in real life. That's it real is. life Madden. Yeah. Um I I so I put out a tweet too. Certainly not as much interaction. I think probably zero interaction compared to any tweet that you put out. Um but my tweet was about Green Bay, which is a situation that we're talking about here in a little bit, and the fact that they could the the Packers could probably salvage their relationship, at least the front office. And again, like I said, we'll talk about the Aaron Rodgers uh, drama here in a little bit. But the Packers could probably salvage their relationship with um, with Aaron Rodgers by trading for Julio Jones and bringing him to Green Bay. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I don't think you know, so. I think it's, I think it, I don't think the issue in Green Bay is talent. And I think based off of what he said, because, well, I've said it prior to that, but recently Aaron Rodgers had an interview and, and he basically said like, look, it's the culture there. Like we've put in work there. We put in blood and sweat and for people to not respect the time and the work that we put in, it, it has everything to do with culture from the top. Aaron Rodgers, I think he's just done in Green Bay, which sucks to say because 
they've wasted his career, but that guy is probably the best guy I've ever seen play the position of quarterback for his entire yeah. career. Like he he's he's insane. It's like, and I mean, it it just goes. I mean, he pro, he joins a long list of, and we'll get uh, in more in depth and deeper uh, with this conversation here in a little bit. But he, I mean, he joins a long list of athletes who, like you said, one of if not the best to play. You know, to do what they do, and to have not nearly half to show for it. You know, I mean, that man could have gone out I, Drew Brees another one could have gone out and, and had you know x amount more Super Bowls x amount more you know championship games one I mean Aaron Rodgers NFC championship for the last two consecutive years not making it to the Super Bowl you know what I mean so it's, it's just I mean he joins another long list in not just the NFL but every other sport you know Ryan Miller just retiring uh from yeah. the NHL, uh, you know, as you know, I know you said you're not a hockey guy, but we all know Ryan Miller. We all know. Yeah, no, no, no. we know who he I know is. Certain guys, and, and yeah. I mean, I mean, just a, a guy that deserved the Stanley Cup every single year. But not he to did. get too far off of that, I mean, like we said, he didn't know if he was live or not. It it certainly sounds like he's he's out of Atlanta. I mean, I know that he's seeking. I know that the team is seeking trades, but I think that they gave him permission to seek his own trade uh, as mm-hmm. well. Uh, so. I, I don't know honestly where he's going to end up. Like we said before, there's nothing definitively out there as to where he could potentially end up. We know about Jalen Ramsey trying to recruit him, other players trying to recruit him. You made a, a really good case um, for Indianapolis. I think talent wise, you know, I'm still going to stick with green Bay because I certainly think, I think that they have the talent, but I think that there's always that upgrade for talent. Uh, yeah. But I think the most sense I would agree with you is probably Indianapolis. They have the cap space. Indianapolis, a lot like Buffalo, is a young team. They're a little yeah. bit younger. They have more rookies, especially on that offensive side and at that position group. Uh, so, yeah, man, I really – I don't know. I just wanted to know where you thought – do you have a place other than Indianapolis where, like, if you could just, like, pick Julio Jones up and drop him where you'd just – where you'd put him? Yeah, well, if it if it wasn't going to be Buffalo – because, like I said, I, I didn't – at first, I wasn't even on the, the – the Julio train. But once Joe and I were talking about it on hump day and I really started to think about yeah, what the you, offense was. You talked like, yourself like, oh into it. God, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was like, Oh my God, that's <laughs> phenomenal. So, I mean, if it's not going to be Buffalo, man, I would really, 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 I would, re- <laughs> this wouldn't be fun for anybody. I would really love to see him in Tampa. Oh man. I know if I could just do it. <laughs> Here's the reason why, man. Um, we got to see Tom with, with our guy, uh, Randy Moss, right? And I feel like now I can enjoy Tom Brady as a fan because he's not in New England. Right. So as a fan of football, and I see you rubbing your head. Guys, I know you can't see, you can't see Ryan right now. He's like, I can't believe Spence just said this. Listen, I, no, I'm don't a fan of the it sport. Makes, it makes sense. <laughs> but as soon as you said that, I was like, man, he's even good at Twitter now too. <laughs> Like, I don't – it's <laughs> he so is, hard He's good to at everything, man. It's so I, I hard to hate him. hate him now. I mean, undeniably, <laughs> like you said about Rodgers, undeniably one of the best to, to play quarterback. I mean, yeah. undeniably one of the best um, in his position at his sport. But he's also gotten ridiculously good at Twitter recently. I mean, even taking on Aaron Rodgers for this, uh, for this upcoming golf championship that, or Dude. this golf tournament <laughs> that they have – but I mean, at this, don't get me wrong. I like what you're saying because if you can just if I if you can just pick up 
Julio Jones and drop him anywhere. I mean, why not in yeah. Tampa Bay, right? Because, I mean, listen, if Antonio Brown is, like, your fourth-string wide receiver, you're stacked it. You're stacked talent-wise. You might as well throw Julio in there. And, I mean, they managed to sign everybody to yeah. bring everybody back. And then um, I don't know if you listened to last week's episode or not, but we talked. I, I talked about how Tampa Bay took this year's draft – as the future they got you know yeah. their no, they absolutely back of the next future they added some talent guys that four years down the line you know i mean tom may not even be retired four years down the line we have no idea um if he keeps even eating the avocado ice cream he may not be but um his secret is avocado ice cream and toast or not toast uh, twitter it's just tweeting awesome things and avocado ice cream he's, he's so amazing man he's so amazing on twitter i don't understand how people hate him still but but to your point, man, I listened. I did listen. It's impressive. It, it's absolutely 100% impressive. Um, like when you talk about what they've done, it, it's just like for, for, the, for the fullness of his career. And, and you, you talk about defying the odds of he had the one year where he was injured. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking about him being impressive on Twitter. You're talking about this and you're talking about that. He's just, he's just legitimately the most consistent player we've ever seen at somebody's job for the entirety of their career. Yes. And now we get a chance to enjoy it because we don't have to hate him. Until just we face it. him in a Super Bowl. True. Touche. Because I, I wanted to, that's why I wanted us to go to the Super Bowl last year. Right. Because I, I really, um, and on top of it, I, I feel like the game would have been better, like just in general. I don't know what it is about the Bills in Kansas City. Like, we just – we don't show up, man. I don't know what it is. But we yeah. absolutely would have had a better game against Tampa Bay. Yeah. And I think it comes down – and I know I said this last week, and then I, I went on a, a friend of mine's podcast, which is not sports, but he asked me to talk about it and kind of cover this. Um, it, it really came down to pressure on the quarterback, but the difference in getting pressure on the quarterback – when the QB is Mahomes versus Brady is two completely different things because Mahomes can move, whereas Brady can't move that well. And so getting pressure on the quarterback to potentially sack him and, and, and change the, you know, the, the tone of the game is, is two completely different things. The problem is we can, we're probably more likely, especially getting a guy like Russo, who's more than likely going to translate to that edge position um, to complement Hughes on the other end of the line you're more likely to get the pressure on Brady than you are on Mahomes because like, like I said, Mahomes is going to make that play happen with his feet. Mm-hmm. Whereas Brady is, isn't going to. And so it's just like, you have to get over that really big first hurdle, which is a Kansas city team that's built to beat almost any other team in the league to then get to a team where you're like, okay, there's a closer chance of us beating them, especially having just beat, this Kansas city team, which is built a little bit differently. So, but no, so the, the conversation being on Julio, I would oh, absolutely... wait, real quick though. I'm sorry, because right, I, no, I, I ahead, did one, one more thing I did. Cause I, that was when she said it again, I remembered the point I wanted to make. And I kind of had a brain fart there. You were no, talking okay. about last week on your show, you were talking about the bucks and how they are drafting for the future. Yes. And the thing was, you, you mentioned the quarterback and I, I wanted to throw that out there and say, yeah, your analysis on that was great because that's what I forgot. I just wanted to give you that compliment. I'm sorry. I was having right. a brain fart. No, thank you. Um, so, yeah. So, no, I would agree um, that Julio's still worth – and, and this, there's also this narrative, and I, I saw you tackle it on tw- Twitter a little bit, of this, like, 
consistently injured, like he's just an injury-ridden yeah. player, and he's not. He he really hasn't been that injured over his career. It was just that injury last year, and at no point has anybody looked at the Falcons and their lack of success since their Super Bowl and gone, it's Julio Jones' fault. Nobody's done that. Julio Jones doesn't come up in the topic of conversation for it being his fault. Matt Ryan comes up in the conversation. The defense comes up in the conversation. Dan Quinn came up in the conversation. But it was never Julio Jones, right? Like, he was never the problem. The man shows up, puts in the work, does amazing, stays – I mean, you want to talk about consistency at position. Julio Jones for wide receiver is that guy. I'm going to pull up his stats while you're talking. So – yeah, I would agree. He's absolutely still at, I want to say, 32 years old. Still one of yep. the best. I mean, 32? Yep. All right, awesome. I just pulled that out of the, the depths you're of my okay. brain. Yeah, you're there, man. Um, at 32 years old, still consistently one of the best at his position. I mean, definitely top one and two um, at, at his position for wide receiver. Definitely worse, worth a first round. I'm still going to go with – Green Bay as a place because they kind of they don't necessarily have the cap space they can make it though because they do have such young guys um a lot of their money having gone into some of their uh older rookies I know Aaron Rodgers is you know they rumor was had offered him a pretty massive contract or two uh having denied the first one I haven't heard anything about that since but a lot of their money going into former players as well as some of their bigger players but I think that they could make the cap space and potentially go for a guy like Julio. Um, I do. I, I didn't see his comments in the way that you saw them about the culture. Um, I really thought that it was just kind of like aimed more so at the front office and, and Brian Guntekunst, the GM, and like not getting him that talent. Um, but now, now after you explained that, I, I, I do see how it was about that culture. But I think it can be about both a little bit. I think his issue is with the front office. Um, I do, but yeah. not with talent. Not with talent. Because you, you think about it. You got Adams there. They have a running game. They, like, he, he hasn't complained about talent. Right. What he, and he hasn't – and I know a lot of fans have complained, hey, they didn't, you don't use a first-round draft pick on a receiver or a tight end. You didn't hear Aaron Rodgers complain about that. What you're hearing – like, right. very specific details of Aaron complaining. He complained that they let go of Alex Van Pelt. That was not a player. It was his quarterback's coach or his um, offensive coordinator at the time. He was upset about that. He gave a compliment to Kumaro, like the guy that's on the Bills team now. Last, yeah. last season, he was a, a player that he's like – he threw him a touchdown after the game. He gave him a compliment. He said, yeah, I kind of want to see guys like him stick around. I like the way he feels. They released him that next day. Yes. Those were the moves that Aaron is upset about. I don't think he's upset about, like, you're not getting me good enough guys. I right. think he doesn't feel valued. Like, there's a lot of times when – um, for instance, I guarantee you right now, if, if the Buffalo Bills were looking to make a trade for Julio or anybody, at this point, they're going to call Josh and say, yo, how you feel about Julio, man? Yeah. I guarantee before they did digs, they called him like, yo, we think about bringing stuff in here. We got, we got him on the phone. What you feel? They don't do that with Aaron. So no. the, the actual talent that's there, I think that the talent he's cool with. Like I said, he has a top three, I, I, I feel, four receiver in the league. Devontae Adams is he's that dude and their running game like you said is is one of the best in the league yeah so I don't think it's the now Julio would help 
trust me, Julio oh, yeah. will be like, okay, I might come back another year. You got <laughs> But right. what I'm saying is the talent that is there, he's not lacking with talent. I, I just think that the culture to that point, man, it's, it's so horrible. And, and the, the, I pulled up Julio's stats. I'm just going to go back five years. So not last season, he has 771 because he, he in nine games. The year before that, 1394. The year before that, 1677, 1444, 1409, and 1871. Five, the last five seasons. And then in nine games, he gave us almost 800 yards last year. So yes. that, that type of production, that consistent, you just don't, you, you don't just like throw that away. And I understand that he's done in Atlanta. If the Bills get a chance to go for it and they like, if I like afterwards, if we find out that there was really an offer that Atlanta would have taken from Buffalo that like makes sense and we don't have Julio, when I tell you how, dude, <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know. I'll tell you this is soon, I because I, I was thinking the same thing too. You had said um, on the Hump Day hotline that the second that they, you know, if Buffalo were to trade for him. I know that we're talking about Buffalo a lot, but that's just because uh, we're both Bills fans. Um, that you would go out and get a you know customize a jersey with you know Julio's name on it. Um, I would do the same thing too. And I'm even I'm not I'm not against him. I I'm I'm where you were at the beginning of your conversation before you talked yourself into it. I'm yeah. indifferent. Like it can help, but again, it's like you look at the team now and you look at what we've been building towards, and it's like, man, do we want? It's like, it, it's, it's again, that, that pros and cons, it's do we sacrifice, you know, like Gabe Davis was coming up a lot in, in trade talk to go to Atlanta for, you know, Julio. And it's like, man, do you sacrifice a guy who you're going to pay the next three years of a rookie contract for a guy that you're paying, was it like 33 million for the next two years, even with, even with the opt out for 2023 or 22 is one of them. Um, I think it was 23 even with the opt-out option it's like man do you want to pay that 33 million but give up on a guy who's definitely gonna if he stays healthy and consistent possibly be in a top 10 wide receiver conversation for like that next generation of wide receivers you, you're that high on gabriel davis you think he's a top 10 receiver for the next generation potentially yeah if he stays consistent because oh, i mean that's cool yeah I'm just saying, like, I mean, he almost towards the end of the season had more – he had less time on the field than Diggs did, but had more touchdowns up until almost the very end of the season. Okay. Uh, so the touchdown part, I think that that argument is tough to go with because – so, for instance, if that's the case, I could say, like, Isaiah McKenzie is the most important part on our offense right. because he, you know, is, like, second or third on the team with touchdowns. I don't think that he is that important to our offense. Right. I think Gabriel Davis's um, potential is to be very, very good. I don't, I don't see Gabriel Davis giving us 1593, 1871, 1409, 1677. Sure. So, so in those terms, I understand completely when people say, man, do I want to pay that 15? Okay, but let me ask you. So with saving that money, you're, you're getting a bargain. You know, we kind of know what happens when you go get great value versus like the the brand name stuff that you want. Now right. we're gonna get production from Davis, and I'm not at all slighting Davis. If if the Buffalo Bills have a true opportunity at at getting a generational legendary status of a player like Julio Jones, I will wish Gabriel Davis a good day, and I will 
root for him every time I watch the Falcons play. And that's nothing bad to set to say about him. It's just that Julio is really that type of player. It's kind of like, you know, if you ever had the chance, um, you know, I don't think there's any GM in the entire league right now that if you have the opportunity, unless you're maybe four teams in the league, everybody would trade for one of the top three quarterbacks. So Josh Allen is getting traded for, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you're trading for him and probably uh, who Trevor Lawrence or the kid out in LA, like those four guys, if you're a GM, if you don't have your franchise guy in place for the next five to seven years, you right. trade for Patrick Mahomes right now, right? Right now. The bills wouldn't cause we got Josh, but every other team would Julio is that type of talent, man. He really, really is. Yeah. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, I mean, I'm still high on Gabe Davis. And like, I, like I know you yeah, said, you're yeah. not, you're not slighting. No, no, no. I am. Like, I'm high on him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic talent. I think you're right. Probably not top 10, but definitely it's, it's cause he's more of a, he, he does way more in the slot as well. So like him and B's going back and forth in the slot. Um, and like you said, like them McKenzie, big parts to the bills team, but in the grand scheme of things, not a big part other than bees. You know what I'm saying? It's like, obviously bees being the best slot wide receiver in the NFL, but like McKenzie and, and Davis really important to the bills, but not that important. If you go down to like Tampa Bay, you know what I mean? What about Hodgins? What about Hodgins last, last summer, everybody, before we even heard that Gabriel Davis could be such a thing, everybody was like, like who in and on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm excited for his potential. I mean, you top, um top college football uh red zone threat and i mean we don't have i mean we don't have like a i mean we have guys that can make red zone plays but you don't have a guy where like that's their specialty you know what i mean right right and so i mean i mean i mean tight ends are supposed to be that dawson knox is supposed to be that but man catch catch the simple ball man that's all we're asking you to do catch the flea flicker With, with julio dawson you don't care I promise yeah. nobody cares that he drops those passes. Yeah. Nobody. So Julio Jones, uh, one of two big ones. We also had a, a, a massive, and like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a big special teams guy. Um, yeah. Thanks to Pat McAfee, Adam Vinatieri, who is undoubtedly, it, it's maybe this, maybe this whole episode, we just call it the goat episode. Cause we've been, just been talking about goat after goat after goat. Adam Vinatieri, undoubtedly one of the most consistent and best to do it at his position, uh, retired. Yep. Um, this week, all time leading, uh, point getter in the NFL did it with his foot. I think probably what oh, it was, it was like 2,761 points just, or something like that. Insane stat, man. Just things, insane stat. things that kickers aren't supposed to do. You know what I mean? It's like, you'd expect like Tom Brady or breeze or Rogers to be in this conversation. And here we are having a conversation about a guy who okay. kicked the ball with his foot and did it with multiple teams. I mean, four Super Bowls, all time point getter in the NFL um, just an absolute, I mean, conversation on him isn't supposed to be long, but I mean, I just, I just wanted to throw this in here because kicking, especially for us as Bills fans, really special teams has been such a, a large part of the conversation for the last couple of years. And it seems like the NFL, uh, and, and as fans, we're starting to pay more attention to that just because people are realizing like special teams is not that easy. 
You know, yeah, like I, I can't so, go man. out there. I, like I can't go out there and punt the ball. Cannot do it. No. But like no. Pat McAfee can dominate a ball, you know, um, Marquette King can go out there and dominate a ball. Um, Adam Vinatieri, not in the league, Justin, is amazing. No, I, not, I know that's not the conversation. No, I, I, I no, no, no. Another time in another place. I, I would yeah, be yeah. happy to sit down and have that conversation yeah. with you because I mean, Jacob Schum, a Buffalo guy, punter. Yeah. It, it, like it just, it just beyond crazy uh, that he, that he's not in the NFL as well. Um, I, I, I just, man, in it, I mean, we all saw it coming, you know, he didn't have that great of a last season with Indianapolis. Um, and then obviously they went out and, and, uh, drafted, uh, respect the specs Rodrigo over there who had an absolute banger of a game against, again, we keep going to the, the Buffalo Colts game, but that's because it came down to special teams. It came down to field placement with punts and, and with kicks. So I just wanted to, to throw that in there. Um, but we can move forward. So we got, unless you got something. Well, can, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, Adam Vinteri. So like, I'm, I'm a huge, spe- I'm kind of like you when it comes to special teams, I, I value special teams mm-hmm. probably way more than most. Like, I think that um, I don't truly give it one third of the team, but I, I do feel that it's like a 25 to, to 28%. Like if, if you're winning on special teams, it's very difficult to lose. Yes. So with that being said, Adam Vinatieri, he's one of maybe three guys in history. Justin Tucker's another guy that comes to mind immediately. But Adam Vinatieri is a guy that you know, once you hit the 40, at the very least, you got three points. Yeah. So it takes the stress off of your offense because you're not fighting for points. Like now at this point, you're just, you know, you have a different stress level because you if you're down by three, you know you can tie it as long as I get to the 40. Right. We don't have to get a touchdown. There were times, for instance, when we had Tyrod here, huge Tyrod fan. I know, you know, we went through kickers at the time. We, you know, we went through kickers almost every year. There were times, dude, where it was like, ah, can we, can we really get to the, you know, the, on TV, like the targeted line was like the 38. It didn't, it didn't always work. No. With Benetary, if you get to a certain point in the field, you're good to go. Bill Belichick had a, a monologue the other day where he basically just like worshiped him for like three or four minutes. And every single word that he said was so true. So congratulations to Adam Vinatieri on a wonderful, absolutely wonderful career. Like you said, this is the GOAT episode because he is absolutely the GOAT. I think he'll go down at the end of the day when it's all said and done, he'll go down as the second best of all time. I think Justin Tucker will overtake him at some point, but as it stands right now, nobody is in the same conversation as Adam Vinatieri. He's retired. He'll be in the hall of fame as soon as he's eligible. He, yeah, he's, he is a first ballot hall of famer. I mean, yeah. people on, people on Twitter were like, just give him the gold jacket now. Right. Yeah, Cause it's, just it's give it undoubted. To him just, yeah. Just give just, it to him. Let me see your invitation now, man. Just show, just book it, book it. Right. And no, I, I like the fact, uh, again, as somebody that uh, values special teams and is, you know, is, is become way more ingrained in, in their importance in the game. Justin Tucker is, is the next guy, right? Like he's now yeah. with, with Vinatieri's retirement, obviously being a free agent last year, but like he is the guy. Um, I think Jake Elliott was kind of a couple of years ago, like Jake Elliott was in that conversation for a little bit. Uh, and he kind of fell off, but like Justin Tucker is that guy. And so, you know, I'm excited, which that was the crazy thing about 
you know, going back to last year's Bills playoff run, like for Justin Tucker to miss not one, but two field goals in such an important game was like, I, I got upset. But I was also happy at the same time. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I'm yeah. happy. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a Bills fan. He just missed. But then also, as a guy that's in the special teams, you're like, how does Justin Tucker miss yeah. two of them in a row? That win was wild, man. You know it had to be for him to miss two. Yeah, yeah. And Tyler missed one as well. So, you know, but, but yeah, no, that win was wild. Yeah. Um, so we got two topics left. Um, I'm gonna give you the the opportunity to pick which one. I mean, we kind of talked about Aaron Rodgers. So do you want to go back into that any like more in depth, or do we just want to wrap it up with the salary cap announcement? Yeah, we can we can go with the salary cap. All right. So we're gonna wrap this up then with the salary cap announcement since uh, we spent a large part of the the Julio conversation talking about Aaron <laughs> Rodgers as well. Um, but the NFL and NFPL NFLPA, uh, which is the Players Association came out with a tentative salary cap of 208.2 million. Now this can change between now and February. So this, it may go down, uh, it may go up, but this is generally where, where they've agreed upon at $208.2 million. So the question is after coming off of a season where uh, the salary cap was lowered because of COVID the previous year, um, this is gonna open a lot of doors but this is also going to close a lot of doors as well. Um, doors that were closed because of COVID are going to open up and doors that were open because of COVID are going to close. So I wanted to know where your head was at uh, with this tentative salary cap number that came out, you know, league wide, what does this mean for the veterans? Are they going to stick around a little bit more or are teams going to, you know, are a lot more veterans going to end up on the free agency list during the off season because they're going to spend more money on more guys that are rookies. Well, I think that, um, you know, this next season, so we have the season coming up after that. So this next off season, I think you're going to see a ton of the guys. I, you know, for example, you know, and we'll stop talking about bills here, but for example, Isaiah McKenzie, he signed back with the bills on a very, very team friendly deal a one year. Like I think it was like 1.15 1. or something, something like that. I mean, he said we that he would just take candy. He did say that, but realistically, we all knew what he was doing. He signed a one-year right. deal to have leverage, so that way next year, if he has another season like he had last year, he can cash in big. He's trying to cash in. So I think a lot of the guys that around the league, you saw a lot of guys take less to make sure they were still with winners or teams that they felt like were going to be winners. Right. I think you're going to see that change next season. You're going to see – a, a huge I think next season we're gonna have so much fun just talking about the free agent class this year it was some movement it, you know it was some fun, fun movement but nothing like you know it wasn't a wild by any means it was not a wild offseason I think next year we're gonna we're gonna see some fun because um, like I said guys are waiting on that and now the teams who are looking to extend those fifth-year options Josh Allen is going into it we have another set of quarterbacks the same year who was drafted. You got four guys who are pretty much up that fifth year option. And it's like, Hey, are we going to extend them? What kind of money? So Baker Mayfield is up for an extension, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, obviously the other two guys uh, in that first round didn't quite pan out <laughs> how we want it, but right. the, the fifth year options and stuff like that, when you're going to see these extensions start to kick in um, it's good for the Buffalo bills, a hundred percent, 
you know, our cap space was basically like we're, we're, we weren't hurting, but we're like very, very close. This helps when you're trying to extend your franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future. That, that space helps. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I absolutely agree with that. But I also think on the flip side, a lot of teams that are kind of behind the mark when you're looking at teams like Indianapolis, Buffalo, again, you know, has been a topic of conversation. I mean, even the Chargers, who are a relatively young team as well, after getting rid of, um, you know, they obviously got rid of their head coach. Um and then, but then continue to add some younger talent. When you're looking at teams like this, potentially Jacksonville, another one to add to the conversation in the next couple of years, obviously adding Trevor Lawrence. Um, and Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne. I know who you wanted uh, the Bills to draft. And I didn't, he didn't, wasn't there, not to, not to go off the beaten path, but wasn't there uh, an article that came out saying that he was expecting Buffalo to draft him too? Yeah, Matt Perino put out a, or it was either Matt Perino or Ryan Tabbitt. I can't remember which one, but um, they, they wrote a story or an article saying that, you know, he was very, very um, sure that he was going to Buffalo at 30. Yeah. And that just broke every, every, every piece of my heart that could break was broken. <laughs> was broken. I mean, for me, like I was so sure going into the draft that I was like, man, we need like a quarter in the first round. And then like two days out before the draft, somebody had somebody, I had talked to somebody and they like shattered my reality of what the bills needed to do. Or like it, they shattered my reality of like Dane Jackson. And so I, like I did more research into Dane's performance in those like four games that he had in the season and he had a, an awesome performance. So I was like, man, I don't like, I was like, man, I don't want a running back in the first round, but now I don't want a corner in the first round. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I was like, yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what to do going into this, but um, I think no, but I think teams that are a little bit behind the mark looking at what Tampa Bay is doing for their future, um, their relatively soon future, by the way, uh, what Buffalo, Indianapolis, the Chargers um, have been doing are going to potentially cut bait with a lot of veterans and go for adding younger, cheaper guys that are potentially free agents from past draft classes, get cut by their teams uh, that are opting to keep veterans versus going younger, um, or guys that, you know, they're going to draft or come out of, you know, or come into the, the NFL as, as UDFAs are potentially going to go after them and get rid of veterans. So I think we're going to see a healthy mix of, I think you're right. It's going to be an interesting off season next year, because I think we're going to see a healthy mix of both um, young talents that have potential and can, you know, hunt for opportunity in the NFL. But I also think that we're going to see a lot of um, veterans hit the free agent market too. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be like big name ones, but you're going to see guys that, you're going to go, oh, man, like a year or two ago, you didn't expect him to get cut. But it's just the way that the NFL has gone and other teams have gone over the last couple of years, you're now in a position where a guy like that's going to get cut. It's like last year for us, John Brown, you know, getting the ax and, and ending up in um, Las Vegas now. A guy that a couple of years ago you didn't think was going to get, you know, cut from this team, ended up getting cut from this team. And so I, I think that's the off season that we're going to – kind of see but we're going to see a healthy mix of the two you know what I mean yeah no I agree 100% I think it's going to be a mix of both because because like I said the guys that have control of their contracts the guys that you know who took who bet on themselves for the one year they're doing the, the Kirk Cousins thing now they're going to look for that money next year but then to your point there's going to also be teams that are like yeah we extended this dude 
and uh, we can get younger and cheaper. Let's go ahead and let it. So yeah. you're right. It's going to be a ton of that, man. Next off season is going to be so much fun to, to be a part of. I, I did want to comment one thing about, you mentioned um, the Dane Jackson um, conversation, how you wanted a cornerback. One of the things that's interesting, man. So I have to remember as a content creator, um, the preparation that we do, and I'm sure you can relate to this now, the, the preparation we do for our shows is a little more in depth than what I used to do as just a regular fan. Like I would just mm -hmm. watch the games on Sundays, talk crap throughout the week with my friends and wait for next Sunday. Right Now, obviously I watch the games and I go back and I watch players. I watch the all 22. I'm not cover one. I'm not that good. I'm not as smart as like maybe Eric or, or Greg or, or any of, you know, I'm not that smart, but I do have to watch it a little bit more in depth. Right. With that being said, to your point, when whoever it was that spoke to you and said, no, I think Dane Jackson, I think you're sleeping on him. And when you go back and watch and you, you see how good he is, that's why for me in the draft, and that's why even now with this Julio conversation, I'm just about closing the gap between us and the top two teams. Uh, it's not – so everybody, you know, every year we always talk about holes and what the team needs and this and that and third. We have a very, very complete roster from top to bottom we do not actually have holes on our roster. We don't have right. a hole. The thing is the Buffalo bills are so good and fans are so into it. We look at somebody who's not performing at an all pro level as a whole. Yeah. When that's not the case, like we can have a very good player who's not an all pro. It just means that they're not playing up to that standard. Levi Wallace will start on any other, like he'll, he'll, he'll leave Buffalo and start on several different teams, like yes. several different teams. But in Buffalo last season, because he's playing opposite Trey White, I was critical. Like, oh, man, Trey, you're killing me. I mean, not Trey. Uh, Levi, you're killing me. Yeah. But the thing is, these guys are really, really good. So when you look at the draft and you're looking at free agency now and you're looking at making trades and all this stuff, we're really good. Like, we're deep everywhere. Oh, yeah. But are we – did we move the needle to get better than the Chiefs? Did we move the needle? Do you think we have the roster to beat – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That for me was my motivation in when I was looking at drafting. Now, is Greg Rousseau going to be an awesome? Like he's a freak. Yeah, I think he's going to be a beast. Do I think that Basham is going to be a beast? Do I like Spencer Brown? Yeah, like I love the guys that they took. My my um, you know, my criticism of the draft class this year was not about me saying the guys aren't going to be studs. I think each guy that they drafted has qualities to become stars. Honestly, the first three picks. I think all those guys could be stars in the league. Oh, yeah. My issue was about right now, this year, are we going to be able to beat the Chiefs when we play them? If we meet them in the AFC Championship again, did we do enough to get over? Because last year, I know the first game, the, the score at the end looked closer. They kicked our ass. <laughs> yeah. They kicked our asses that game, man. And, and it's not fans don't like to admit it. They did. They really dominated. They could have ran it when they felt like it. They could have passed it when they felt like it. We had nothing for them. Did we get closer? I don't think that we did this offseason. I actually think that they got better. Some people will argue that their offensive line isn't better, but I think it did get better. I think it got a lot better. So when, you, when you're talking about that, and they draft well out there in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. We draft well, but I don't think we drafted so well to close the gap right now. They got better now, and they add it for their future. We add it for our future. I'm looking right. to see if the Bills are going to bring in Julio, do something, do something for this year. Right. And I mean, my thing um, with Kansas City was uh, I, I, I agreed with you without 
coming right out and saying that I was agreeing with you. I was looking at Kansas City, you know, referencing last episode. I was looking a year or two ahead because comparing them to Tampa Bay, uh, they do have a lot younger guys. They have a lot more younger guys who are going to get that bigger paycheck. And so they're going to take a step or, or, you know, I think they're going to take a couple of steps back because they're going to lose some of that talent and have to kind of rebuild it. They're not going to have massive holes, but they're going to lose some. I mean, Travis Kelsey is, 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 you know, on on the latter half of his career, Um, you know, Mahomes when his contract is up is going to, is going to get a lot more money. They have so many guys that they're, on the younger side and they're either going to have, they're going to have to lose some of them. Right. I mean, the, the cap going up is great, but it doesn't go up enough for teams like Kansas city and Tampa Bay to keep making, to keep year after year after year. But bro, they said that about the bills this year and we kept every single person we wanted to, and we let go of John Brown. We're returning 21 starters next year. Yes. That's in a year where they actually reduced the salary cap. I don't know, man. The salary cap, these, these good teams, these good GMs and coaches know how to navigate. And Kansas City has shown us in a year where they came into the offseason with $12, literally $12 in cap space. If you go back and Google it, prior to the start of the season, they had $12 in cap space. Somehow, they were able to not only extend their top two guys, they also got their entire offensive line revamped. They also re-upped a contract for another. It's like they, they're, they, I don't know what they're doing, how they're doing it. They figured it out. Right. The Bills, nobody, no way they're getting Matt Milano to come back to Buffalo. No way they're going to get so-and-so to sign back. No way Isaiah McKenzie is coming. We got Levi Wallace back. We got Isaiah McKenzie back. We got Matt Milano back. Stars coming back. Like, you know, so it's like we're right. getting guys back that nobody thought we could have. Right. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I just... The- the conversation, I mean, I remember when the conversation came down, down to, well, you have to choose between Matt Milano and Josh Allen, right? Like that was the, the, the conversation yeah. and you ended up getting both and, and a couple more. I think I agree with, with what you said though, about, you know, like the bills, we don't have whole, and it's the same thing. You, you look at like the chargers, you look at mm-hmm. um, the chargers, not so much as like Buffalo and Indianapolis, but like you, you look at Buffalo and Indianapolis, the chargers are getting up there they don't have holes. Like you said, they have areas where they could definitely improve. Um, and I think we could agree that a hundred percent with running both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball for Buffalo yeah, was where you needed to improve. <laughs> yeah. Now don't be wrong. I was still not for taking a running back in the first round. Cause we already had, we have seven of them on the roster granted like Taiwan Jones is, um, you know, a special teams guy, uh, you know, Christian Wade is a guy that's been on the international pathway for the last three years, and he's, he's finally eligible for this year. You bring in um, – oh, man, why is his name escaping me right now? Matt Breida? Yeah, you bring Antonio in Matt Williams. Breida. Um, yeah, and then you have Antonio Williams as well, but you have, you know, Singletary who, look, who got completely ripped in the offseason. Zach Moss coming back. Like, your, your running back room is so deep. But then it's like you saw – really it was a shock to, like you said, guys like you and I and, and who do this who have to go more in-depth. We knew that, like, losing star was going to be a pretty big blow to our run defense. And it wasn't till almost halfway through the season that you saw that, like, Hyde and Poyer and those guys that were a little bit deeper in the backfield 
figured out how to kind of tamper down on it, but it was, you know, like a day late and a dollar yep. short. Um, obviously him coming back bodes well for our run defense. It's not a hole, but you're like, man, we really need a guy that can, you know, if stars out or for some reason, you know, you know, he opts out again, he leaves the team, you know, any, any number of scenarios you can go, Hey, you know, next man up, we don't have a worry, but we saw without star, there, there was a, a lack in talent between that next guy up in terms of being able to stop that run defense uh, mm-hmm. or in order to stop that run on the defensive side. And for me, it was honestly more of an offensive line issue with the actual run. I mean, we never got the run going in the season. I know that you and Joe had talked about, um, you know, you don't want, you know, Joe was talking about how he doesn't want it to become a run first team, but you can still be, a run sometimes team, but still primarily rely on, on your throwing and through the air. So I, I think that they, I mean, adding Stefan Diggs certainly didn't help the idea of trying to get a run, uh, a run going because you have all this talent that you're sending downfield now. Um, but I attribute it to more to being an offensive line issue in order to open up for guys like Singletary and Moss versus it was a running back issue. That's what it yeah. was for me. Yeah, I agree. I think it, I, I actually take it a step further and I go that it's a scheme issue. Because if you look at Devin Singletary and you go back the year prior, so, you know, with the year that obviously it was him and it was Frank Gore. Oh, God. It was him and Frank Gore. And, um, dude, in that playoff game against the Texans, that was why Bills fans were so excited. That was a different scheme that Brian Dayball was putting on that field than what he put on the field last season. So when you look at all last year, for some reason, Brian Deboard decided the offensive line was going to completely have a different blocking scheme for a running back like Devin Singletary, which does not play into his strengths. So right. that was the concern for me. I do look forward to this year seeing Brian Deboard kind of fix that. I don't think that it's the running backs, and I don't think it's the line. I think we actually have a very good line. We don't have, like, the best line in the league by, you know, any – I give us ninth in the league as far as offensive line, but – you got to think about it. Our starters have never played together. Right. Like last season, our starters did not play one game together. So when you look at that and you look at the last few games of the season, there were, there were times like the last three, four weeks of the season where Josh literally just was so comfortable back there, man. And that our line gelled. It absolutely gelled. So I'm looking forward to our line playing together. You know, I think we'll be good. And I was going to say they did. It seemed like the line though, more so from the start was better at, you know, protecting the quarterback than opening yeah. up for the run. But I agree with you. I, I guess, I guess my thing would have, uh, you know, I was, I guess I was saying the same thing that it was more of a scheme than it was anything else because the offensive line, like you said, was not bad um, yeah. by any means, but also I think, you know, and, and we said we'd stop talking about Buffalo. Clearly that was never going to happen, man. but no, no, <laughs> no, 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 that's good. Um, but like, you know, it's also the thing of, for some reason, you know, Singletary was being used on the inside and Moss was going on the outside. And it's like, man, you got to reverse those two roles because, you know, they seem better. It is, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that they figure it out for the season because, I mean, you, you, I know that, that the saying is, you know, defense wins championships, but I, I, kinda, I wholeheartedly believe that it's, it's when you have all three sides of the ball working, that's how you win a championship. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, we saw with the Colts that it was special teams. We saw with 
um, you know, Kansas City, we saw that you have to have your offense and your defense working. Like your special teams can't be the only one that works. And it's just, um, you know, when when one of them's down or two of them's down, I mean, that's how you're losing games. And so I'm really hoping that they figured out the run because I'd like to see them run more this year. Obviously not mm-hmm. becoming a, a run first team, but I'd like to see them run more because, you know, running the football is an exciting thing. People, you know, that's, that, is. that is an exciting is. thing. Um, there, you know, there isn't the suspense that's attached to it when you throw a ball downfield and you're waiting to see if it gets caught. It's like when that guy gets off, you know, and, and they start going yeah. after it, it's like, that's, that's exciting football. So I'm really excited to see that. Hey man, I want to thank you for joining me today. It was an absolute honor hey, to have you join me. Anytime. Um, anytime, man. And like did, I said, I got to get you back on the conduct. Soon. Maybe after, yeah. I think after the off season is, is when we said that we'd, we, we try it again. Um, so that we actually have something to talk about. Um, but no, I want to thank you for uh, holding through with me through the, uh, the technical issues. Again, transformers do not blow up on schedule. So um, we had to navigate that a little bit, but man, this was an exciting conversation and you're absolutely going to be on again. Um, I can't wait to come on the conduct again. And uh, this isn't the last that we're going to be hearing from Buffalo rumblings here. So we're going to try and get some of your colleagues on here as well uh, in the near future and the distant future. And so I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for uh, taking some time to talk some football with me today. Hey, man, thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, you can find me on Twitter at jspensterking. My show comes out. Actually, I do a live show every Monday night um, on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast and YouTube networks. Uh, This Monday night coming up, I'll have Marcel from ESPN joining me. He's the beat reporter for the Bills. It's going to be a fun time. So so check me out. Join me. And uh, Ryan, thanks, man. Literally, anytime, just hit me up. Seriously. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And you guys uh, that are listening, thank you for listening to season one, episode two of the Rust Belt Report. Uh, You can find us on anchor.fm backslash LDGS. And you can also find us uh, on places like Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify even, but the link is in my personal Twitter, which is at RustBeltKid13. And you can find us on Twitter at VLDGSports. That is at the LDG sports. Uh, and you can also find us on Instagram at the LDG sports underscore pods. So thank you guys very much for listening and I will see you all next week. Oh.